I love it when the Lord shows up because we're just so flexible wherever he is. If he's over here, we're going over here. If he's over here, if he's on a song, if he's on a, if he's on a person, we are following the Lord in this house. And, and that's something I love about Myrtle Grove. We're, we're not afraid to follow. And I believe that um, a lot of times I talk about leadership. Uh, most of the times I get up here, I like to talk about leadership. And one of the great things is, that, like I said earlier, Jesus modeled everything that we need in the Bible. And Jesus was the best leader of all. But if you really read the scriptures, he was also the best follower. He was always following what the Lord was saying, what his father was saying. And oftentimes it's easy for me just to always lead. What I'm learning is it's, it's, it's just as important to follow. And I'm excited about this trip coming up. And we're actually going to be following and supporting April Hubbard. She is, she is leading this trip. And, and, and we just can't wait to follow her because the Lord is doing something in her life. And we're so excited to go. But before we do, before tomorrow, um, I was asked a couple weeks ago um, by Stacy. Um, we actually just got back. The youth group just got back about three weeks ago from Tampa, Florida, um, from our mission trip, our summer mission trip. And it was an incredible mission trip. We saw God do things in the lives of our teens. We saw God move on the mission that we were working at. And so for the next couple minutes, you're going to get out early today. Um, but for the next couple minutes, I'm actually going to have a couple of our youth share. And, and normally, you guys have seen me do this before. Usually there's a chair up here and I interview them or I say, hey, run up there real quick and talk about um, something that you liked on the trip. Well, today's going to be a little bit different. I did ask them to do that. But also, um, I believe that our kids have really good things to say. And so I gave them a little time slot, and I said, I want you to share a little bit about the trip, but I also want you to share, what is God teaching you? Because we also had these kids, the Sunday we got back, they preached at youth group, and I, you guys don't need a youth pastor. We got kids who can do it just as good. They are incredible, and God is doing something inside of them. And so before I, I talk about Florida, and before I talk about a verse that I feel like the Lord put on my heart, I'm going to have Naomi uh, Nason come up, and she is going to speak uh, to you all. So can we give it up for her? So most of you already know me. If not, I'm Naomi Nason. Um, a little background, I've been going to this church, I think, since I was three. I don't know, a really long time. And I've been a part of the youth group for since I was old enough, since sixth grade. And I've been volunteering in the kids' ministry at the church for the past six years. And I've just really seen so much growth in myself from being a part of the youth group. And just like a year ago, I never would have gotten up and spoken here or in front of the youth group. I hid in the corner every week. I just sat in the back and didn't say a word. And I just think that speaks to how powerful God is and just how much he can change a person even in just a year. Um, so my first story from the mission trip was the most powerful experience I had at Metro this year. Metropolitan Ministries is a homeless um, organization down in Tampa, Florida, and they take people in and they provide housing and food and really promote dignity and teach people how to get back up on their feet. They give them classes to get their GEDs. They teach them how to be self-sufficient. And so we eat meals with them. And one day during lunch, a group of maybe six girls, we were hanging out with this little kid. His name was Prince. He was the sweetest little boy. He was maybe three or four. And um, we were talking and we just noticed that his mom and one of the workers was standing off to the side and just kind of smiling, kind of laughing. And we weren't sure, really sure what was happening. But after they left, the volunteer came up and told us, she said, 
prince has never spoken to anyone except for his mother and me. And he was laughing and joking and playing and showing off in front of all of us. And she said, that's just how powerful you guys are. That's just the peace that you bring. You make him feel at peace to be himself. And that one was really cool for me. <laughs> um, and now, something that God's taught me, particularly on this missions trip, was just the power of prayer. And I've experienced powerful prayer before. If you were here last year, I shared after the missions trip about my ankle being healed. And this, this story is a little different. So I'm going to start with the, most of you probably know a vague definition of prayer, at least some definition. Um, but I have the dictionary defini definition right here. It's a solemn request for help or thanks addressed to God, an earnest hope or wish. To put it simply, it's communication with God. You can ask for things or thank him or even just talk. It holds power because you are calling on God. He is the most powerful thing in the universe, and we get to call on him with such ease. We have such easy access to our God, which is so amazing. It's the greatest because... We don't have to be in our own power. We don't have to use our own power because our power is not enough, but his always is and will never fail to be. So I have two verses. Um, Psalm 6, 9. The Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord accepts my prayer. He hears you when you're down. He hears you in your ups and your downs, when you're backwards, upside down, and in a tornado. <laughs> he doesn't like... He doesn't put your worries or your, or your faults aside. He comes to you where you are in your struggle. You don't have to be perfect to meet with him. And then Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We don't have to hide what we need. We don't have to be ashamed of needing things or wanting things because God knows anyway. We can't hide it from him. And he has the power and the willingness to give you your heart's desires. Um, so I have three different stories from the trip about how prayer has impacted my life. Um, the first one was, I think, Tuesday. We got home from a really long day of serving and I had been with people all day, and we were sitting and we were encouraging, and I was just exhausted. So tired, I just wanted to sit down and cry. I was not feeling it, and I just didn't know what to do. And we were sitting and we were doing encouragement, and I'm like, I can't pour into these people's lives when I'm feeling like this. Why am I here? What am I doing? And so I'm like, Catherine, can I go to bed? And she said, okay, but we're gonna pray for you first. And so every single girl, in our house got up and prayed over me and just spoke into my life and just poured into me and I was bawling <laughs> the entire time and they just spoke into my life in such a powerful way and it was just the most amazing like raw experience because I was crying other people were crying people were singing worship in the background and it was just so pure that I just couldn't feel anything else in that moment um, the next one is our worship night. We, um, my knee started hurting because I don't know if you can see it. I have a knee brace on. Um, <laughs> so my knee started hurting 
like really, really bad. And Austin and Noah, two of our youth leaders, noticed. And they came up to me and they're like, can, I, can we pray for you? And of course I said, okay, because why wouldn't you? <laughs> I'll take all the prayer I can get. <laughs> and so they came up to me and I had Noah on my, he had his hand on my shoulder and Austin had his leg on my knee, or hand on my knee. <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> it's okay, I'm tired. <laughs> And he had his hand on my knee, and I couldn't hear the words they were saying, but I didn't have to. I didn't need to hear the words that were coming out of their mouth, because God did. I didn't have to hear the syllables, I didn't have to hear the phrases, because God heard, and he knew their intents, he knew their desires, he knew what they were doing. And I just felt such peace. I, just the overwhelming peace. And then my last one is our very last night, I believe. Um, we had just finished our last, our last talk and our last session, and um, Anna Claire, one of the youth members, she stood up and she says, we need to go to pray for Naomi. Now, Anna Claire is one of the quietest people in the youth group. And then Austin said, that Maddie, another quiet girl in our youth group, needed to pray for me too. So I had the two shyest people on the trip praying over me in front of people, which is just so powerful to me. The fact that they were willing to step that far out of their comfort zone, just that they could step out and really embrace God and really welcome him and let him move through them. And I think that was the most powerful prayer I experienced on the trip. They... They didn't just speak for the pain that they could see. They prayed over the pain that I wasn't showing. They prayed over my emotional state. They prayed over my mind, my spirit, my soul. They prayed for every aspect of my life that even I didn't know I needed to be prayed for. It was so amazing. And when I went up and thanked Maddie afterwards, she told me, it wasn't me. I can't accept your thanks, it was God. And that was just so powerful. And um, so I'm gonna leave you with this. It takes a whole lot of courage to pray over someone, but I've never experienced a time where the person prayed over was ungrateful. So I challenge you, if you feel God moving, if you feel the need to go pray over someone, please do it, because you will reap such great rewards. The person praying gets amazing peace, just feeling the Lord, and the person being prayed over feels the same. And it's just so powerful and amazing. And it's great every time, because God is great every time. So yeah. Uh, next up, uh, we are going to have Connor Perry, if you want to go ahead and start walking up. Um, uh, Connor and uh, Naomi are, are both in the internship program um, for Voyage, and they both serve on Sunday mornings. I mean, they're our homegrown kids. They, they've been with us for a long time here at Myrtle Grove, and it is, it's such an honor to be able to lead them. But in moments like this, I'm following them because I needed that word about prayer. I think for a lot of us, sometimes it's... We need a, a PhD or we need something like this to follow, but sometimes I think we're supposed to follow the kids. They have good things to say because they're hearing the same Jesus. 
And I've said it many times, but there's no junior Jesus. There's no junior Holy Spirit. The same one who lives in here with all the knowledge that I know from school and going to Bible school lives right here too. Still in high school at a youth group at a church where some people might say, oh, that's a small church you go to. Yeah, but it's still a big God. And so the same God lives in all of us. So we're going to listen to Connor right now. Good morning. Uh, so yeah, my name is Connor, if you didn't know. But uh, I have been going to this church a very long time. And same with Naomi Youth Group since I was able to. Uh, I was just hungry for this Jesus that is so amazing. But uh, yeah, Florida, it was an amazing trip. Uh, unlike last year, there was a lot, there was a condensed group. So it was a lot more personal. Everything was two-on-one, one-on-one. You can, you're like, you're able to talk to people and it's, it's just awesome. But yeah, we surfed at Metro, super awesome place. I mean, you already heard about it. There's, you like, I can feel the spirit here in Wilmington that we left there. And it's just, it's awesome. But I mean, God right now, what I learned on the trip, he's teaching me that he's worthy to be worshipped. It says it in the Bible, First Chronicles. He is the most worthy of our worship because he's great. So he's teaching me that like I am his son and I'm worthy to look at him, to talk at him, and be like, hey, I'm going through this. Can I just get on my knees and worship you and just pray and you'll take all, all the like sadness, all the bad, all the hatred inside of me away and I can just feel this pure form of the Lord that I've never felt before and it's like one of the most amazing feelings ever. So I'm not going to take a super long time because I mean, simple point, Jesus is great. <laughs> we felt him in Florida. He's the same Jesus that we feel in here that we feel back in the youth group. He's the same Jesus that they felt back up in New York a couple years ago. The same in Madrid. Is that where they are now? In Madrid. God is so big. He's bigger than everything we've ever known. All of our cares and worries are not even like a grain of sand on the spectrum of how big and powerful God is. He's so powerful back, they didn't want to say his name. <laughs> so, yeah, God is, God's good. Amen. Thank you. Connor's right. God is good. All the time. He's good. I'm going to just briefly, briefly give you a couple stats um, of what Florida kind of looked like. This is, this is our third year um, going to Metropolitan Ministries, as you heard. An incredible organization. Um, they take in families, and instead of just giving them a meal, and then the next day they go home and they come back for a meal and go and come, they house families for up to a year. Um, they do GED programs, like uh, Naomi said. They have preschool. They have school for their kids. They are working to get them jobs. They get full-on meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they're good meals. We ate with them. Um, they, they're not giving out scraps. 
they have a hired chef who daily is cooking meals for these people. And it's, it's, it's so warm when you walk in. It's clean. Like, it's, it's, it's really clean. And you don't think about that. You think that usually maybe the outcasts and the people who are low income, that they get second best. Not there. They get the best. And that's something that's really beautiful to me. And that's why we signed up to work within the past three years. This is our last year. Um, that was our last year going to Metropolitan. And it's, it's, it's kind of sad, but God has something new for us in this next season. We had 23 youth go on the trip. Um, we had seven leaders join them. Like I said, the kids did everything from serving in the kitchen um, to their storehouse to playing with their kids to cleaning um, and then working in a big food warehouse. We were serving for three days from around 9 to seven, eight o'clock at night. It's full on days. Um, there's not a lot of breaks. It's go, go, go while we're there. Um, and I, it's hard to explain until you're there, but seeing the joy on these people's faces, seeing their kids have a safe place to go outside and hang out with people who love the Lord. Uh, one of the hardest things for me every single year is there's no dads. And if there are, there's very few. You look at pictures on the wall of people who have made it through the program who now have their own house and mom and dad have a job or mom has a job and very few of them have a father. So sometimes people ask me, what's, what's the issue? How do we fix this? And we need fathers. We need men to raise the bar back up to what God said in the household. We need men to stick around because I think our generation has lowered the bar. And we've said, just, just get this far and that's good enough. Just go work your 40-hour-a-week job and come home, eat dinner, say hi to your kids. And we've lowered the bar. And I believe God is starting to raise that bar um, in this time and in this season. I don't know where that, I, I, that's not in my notes. Um, but I really did feel like it's time to raise the bar. I think it's going to be up to the church. We know where the bar is supposed to be. You know who the bar is? The bar is Jesus. And we've settled for a lot less. And I believe in this next season, God is saying, hey, it's time to raise the bar. Where are the fathers? Where are the mothers? And I think it will be a season for us to step up and show the world where the fathers and mothers are. Um, I am, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, these past, this summer has been a whirlwind. I mean, I, I can't believe that tomorrow morning I'm getting ready to travel to the Middle East. Um, I actually just flew home on Wednesday um, from my fourth trip this summer. Um, I did a wedding in Oregon for my nephew, and if I'm honest with all of you, I'm very tired. <laughs> I, am, uh, I am ready for summer to be over. Youth group, uh, summers for a youth group, if you've ever been working youth ministry or volunteered or whatever, even just having kids, you know, summer is chaotic. Kids are home from school. Uh, parents, you guys have them for 166 hours a week. I only have them one. And so I, I fully know what it feels like to have kids, even though I don't have them. But this summer has been exhausting, and I've, I've traveled to California, um, been to Florida with the youth group, um, Oregon just now with my wife, and, and coming home Wednesday morning, I was like, oh man, I leave to go out of the country in just a few short days. I haven't packed, I haven't bought any clothes. Um, oh yeah, Stacy asked me to preach on Sunday. Um, we have our last youth group of the summer tonight. It's going to be a big one, and so it, it's been a lot. And, why I tell you that is not to feel sorry for me. I, I signed up for it, and I'm actually really excited, glad that I did. But when Stacy asked me to preach, I, I was like, okay. And I started feeling this pressure. And these insecurities started to rise up inside of me saying, hey, you don't have anything to talk about. And so the last couple of days, I've been looking through notes and sermons from the past. And last night, uh, it was 11.30, and, and, and Catherine was getting ready to go to bed. And she's like, are you ready for tomorrow? And I said, I don't have anything. 
And for a moment, she went up to bed, and she, you know, she prayed for me, and then she's like, God's going to give you something. He always does. And in the middle of the night, it was around 1230, probably, I was just, I really felt the Lord heavily say, hey, thank you for not making something up to try to perform for love. Because when I preach, I really do feel like it's a gift to God, where I'm saying, Here, here's my best, God. Here it is before you. Here, I'm setting it at the table before you. I'm giving this word as a gift to you. And, and I really felt the Lord, just, this, just his love saying, hey, thank you for not performing and just pulling an old sermon out of a hat just to appease man. And he gave me this quote, and I think it's for someone in this room. You don't have to be seen by man to be used by God. And I don't know who that's for today. But you don't have to be seen by man to be used by God. I felt like this summer I haven't really been seen. I've been so busy. I've kind of sat in the back. I think I've only preached once to the youth group this whole summer because we've been doing a lot of fun and games and worship nights. And, and I'm like, man, God, I don't feel like I, I am doing what you called me to do in this season because how busy it's been. And the Lord said, I see you. And I'm going to use you greatly. And I think that's for someone in this room. You do not have to be seen by man to be used by God. I think it's important for the, for the church to know what um, goes on on Sunday nights. We've had a couple people um, join us on a couple different nights. Dr. Luke has. Um, Ann Pitts has been back there worshiping with us. Man, that was a wild night. Um, Miss Sonia was with us as well. And, and, it, and it was an incredible time to see, to see people who just love youth and are so attracted to what God is doing. That they're like, I, I'll show up. And it's an open door. We, we love to know if you're coming, but, but we want everyone in this church to know that, that God is moving on this generation of these kids. What you see in the news and you see about what's going on, yeah, there's, there's evil in the world, but God's still doing something. The youth are actually still hungry for Jesus. We see the statistics of kids falling away from Jesus. Well, guess what? There are a lot of kids coming to Jesus as well. And I'm tired of only hearing the bad news because there's good news as well. That's what the Bible is. It's good news. So this is some of the things that we believe at Voyage. That's what we call our youth group if you're new here. Um, it's, it's, called, it's called Voyage Youth. And these are the Voyage 7. We have these printed up. And if you ever want a copy to see what we really believe and what we're going after, I can always give these to you. The kids um, pretty much could probably say these by heart. But this is the Voyage 7. This is our core values. Number one is Jesus is the center. He's the center of everything we do, of every meeting, of every worship set, of every preach, of every game, of every snack. We're thinking about what would Jesus do if he was here. It's about him. Jesus is the center. It's probably the most important one. Salvation creates identity. We live in a world where people, not just kids, people don't know who they are or whose they are. And when I found out whose I was, everything made sense. Because salvation creates identity. I thought I knew who I was before Jesus. But once I met him and I had that salvation, everything came into place. If you would have seen me as a young boy, you would have been like, he'll never be up on stage talking about Jesus. He'll probably, probably be poor. He probably won't go to college. Because usually people will label what they see on the outside. They'll say, well, he didn't have a dad, so... How's he going to be a pastor? He didn't have a dad. How's he going to be a husband? He didn't have a dad. How's he going to be a father? And God created me to be all three of those. 
And so the day I found my salvation is the day I found my identity. And that's something that we preach to these kids on a weekly basis. Uh, number three is God's word transforms. I don't know if I could go to a church that doesn't believe in the gospel. If it doesn't believe in everything from Genesis to Revelations, the Bible is important. And this generation has kind of set the Bible aside because it's not politically correct. But it's all about kingdom. There's a kingdom-mindedness that needs to come back to our country on who we are. I've never heard you guys clap this much. Thanks. You're helping me out because, you know... But no, I mean, God's word does transform it. And I do believe that we can read through the Bible and we can be like, ooh, that one kind of stings a little bit. And that's why it's easy to set it down. Because we believe all the time that the Bible should just be joyful and make us happy all the time. I believe that it does make us joyful. But I also believe it's supposed to pierce the heart because that's what God's word does. If it doesn't pierce your heart, then maybe you're just getting man's opinion. And I would challenge you to find something in the word that pierces your heart because that's what's going to change you. Man's opinion will fall away. One of the next things that I really believe in we're teaching the kids is prayer changes us as individuals. When I'm praying for someone, yes, I'm praying for their healing. I'm praying for just financial breakthrough. I'm praying for peace. I'm praying for anxiety to leave. I'm praying for all those things. But at the end of the day, that prayer is changing me. It's reminding me of the character of God. Because sometimes when I don't feel like God shows up, I've got to go back to, oh yeah, but I remember when I prayed over that person and God showed up because I know his character. His character doesn't change based off my circumstances. His character is based off what the Bible says. And so for you right now, what circumstances are you facing? What's going on in your life? Do you know the character of God? Or are you sitting there being like, man, maybe God's just not for me this week. Kids say it all the time. Maybe I sinned just one too many times. Maybe God's silent. He's not speaking loudly. Listen, loudness does not equal power. There's power in a whisper. There's power in a name. When we pray, prayer is changing us just as much as it's changing the person. It'd be easy for me to get very arrogant and to start praying over people thinking that I am doing something. I'm receiving just as much. It's a two-way street when we pray because there's two people talking. So prayer changes us. The fifth one um, is one for me that I've had to balance because I believe in preparation. Just know that me not preaching today isn't because of lack of me um, praying and spending time with the Lord and having preparation. I believe in preparation, but I also believe that his presence should be over our agenda. And that's one of our core values. His presence will always be over my agenda. If you ask my youth uh, their favorite sermon, they could probably tell you that I've spoke, but they could also probably tell you, I remember the night Matt walked up, had a stack of papers in his hands ready to preach, and threw it down on the ground saying, hey, God wants to do something different. Because when I get up to speak, I, I just ask the Lord, hey, God, what do you have today for your people because God's word never changes. The way it's delivered might. If you read the Bible, you will see that he talked to farmers differently and then he would talk to fishermen differently and then he would talk to shepherds differently. It was the same word, but it was delivered different ways because he delivered it to people the way that they needed to hear it. And so for me, as, as, as we we're preaching, I'm just trying and my leaders are trying and even our kids, as you watch them come up here, what Connor said is perfect. God is great. That's enough. That's a good word. We could probably leave right now if we fully believed it. That God is great in my circumstances. 
that his character is great regardless if I've seen healing yet or not. That God's character doesn't change based on what the world is saying about him. God's character doesn't shift. The sixth one is honor affirms value. These are the things. These are the seven things we teach our kids. This is the core of who we are. Honor affirms value. And to give an example of that, I can't tell you where I'd be if it wasn't for Myrtle Grove Church. I've been here almost five years in the next couple months. And it has been so rewarding and it has taught me things that no school will ever teach me. It has taught me things that no book will ever teach me. It's taught me patience. It's taught me to honor the past. It's taught me how to follow a, a great leader. It's taught me how to stand still in the midst of some waves and some shifting that we've had in the past five years. But sometimes there's just as much power in waiting as there is moving. And this has been a season of waiting for me. I'm asking God, what do you want to do here at Myrtle Grove? And he's speaking. And when he brought in Stacy, I was like, he's the man for the job. He is the person that God has called for this time. And I can't tell you what the talks have been like, being able to talk with him and the wisdom that he has shared with me, just watching his patience. I've never seen a question catch him off guard. You can ask him one question and he'll, he'll talk with you for an hour, which is awesome, because he cares. He'll sit down with you. I could ask him just, hey, how's the family? And he takes it because he really wants to talk about his family. We go and sit down and talk about his family for an hour because he cares. And so I can't tell you how much that I just love this church and what it's done just in my life, what it's taught me. Whether it's been good times or bad times, you can always learn something. We can't be in a rush. And I think something I would tag on to that is I believe God calls us all to do something in life. Maybe your call is to be a mother. Be the best mother out there. I don't think there's a rating scale for calling. Oh, Matt's a pastor. His calling's up here. Oh, you're a missionary. There, there's no ranking scale. We have all been called by God. And what I'll tell you, and this is for someone in here, it's not in my notes, but a call will keep you when the world is going to crap. A call will keep you. Because I guarantee you, sometimes church isn't fun. And the only thing that's kept me here is a call. Not a person, not a worship set, not anything else. A call will keep you. And so if you, do, if you feel a little like you're, you're moving with the wind and you feel like you're starting to drown, what's your call? Go back to your calling. Because your call will keep you through the pain. It will. If you notice, Peter walked out of the boat. Good for Peter, but you know what happened first? Jesus called him. So no matter what the winds were doing, no matter that he was sinking, he made a risk. He took a step of faith on a calling. And so I would tell you, your call will keep you where you're supposed to be. And the last thing that we teach, and, and this one's pretty simple, but to me it's very important. We can do more by doing less. We can do more by doing less. If you, if you were to come back to Voyage, we've kind of trimmed the fat a little bit. We, we have been trimming things, not because to make it easier on me or to make the Sunday nights easier, but because Jesus is, I mean this with all honor, he's pretty simple. He's about people. He's about love. He's about restoring. He's about bringing freedom. He's about victory because he is victory. And so we believe you can do more by doing less. Something that we do and that's very important to us that I think everyone should know is on the fourth Sunday of every single month, our kids are in our cities and they're serving. We've been doing that for two and a half years now. They're going out and they're loving on our city. And as we move into 2020, 
it looks like there's going to be some more of that because we tell our kids, we know you want to go overseas, we know you want to go to Florida on the mission trip, but if you can't serve at home, where's your heart posture? Wilmington needs us. I was just in Portland, Oregon Tuesday, and we were walking around, and the homeless population there um, is, is out of hand. Um, I used to live in Oregon, and I don't remember it ever being like that. And not just homeless, but mental illness. I've never seen so many people yelling and screaming at themselves. No one else. Mental illness is, is, is trying to take over our country. If you, if you watch ESPN or if you love sports, you're seeing all these athletes are coming out saying that they have mental illness. People are just starting to talk about it because there's, now there is a label. Well, labels don't scare God. And when I read my Bible, when I read the New Testament, when Jesus walked around people who were mentally ill, man, things just got up and left. I believe we will be walking into a season when I can walk down the street and the enemy knows I'm coming because who's inside of me? And the demons will run and flee. Because that's what I'm believing for. I'm believing to see people brought to wholeness. Jesus didn't come to medicate certain parts of your life. He's not a, get a, a quick pill you can take. You know, you see weight loss pills on TV late at night that say, if you take this pill, you'll lose 20 pounds in a week. Well, if you lose 20 pounds in a week, that's probably not good, so I wouldn't take that pill. But we believe sometimes Jesus is like that. Dear Jesus, this is going on in my life. Can you give me a quick fix? I just need a band-aid. Jesus did not come to medicate your life. He came to give you a whole new life. So are you just banking off the medication? Because you're going to get used to the medication and it's going to stop working. Jesus came to give you a whole new life. And those are the things that we are teaching our kids. Will you stand with me and I'm going to pray. The worship team can come back up. <clears throat> Like I said earlier, I didn't want to just write a message to write a message. I can write a message. You guys have heard me preach before. I preach every Sunday night almost to the youth. I, I can write a good message, but it's more important to me that the Word of God is spoken and what He is saying is, is being taught. And to prove that to you, my notes look about like this, and I didn't even use them. <laughs> but for me, a verse that keeps coming up in my head is it's in Psalms 51, and it, uh, I think it's verse 12. It talks about the joy of our salvation. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And I want to leave you with just hope. I want to leave you with joy because I, I, church has become, and not Myrtle Grove, but church has become a place where we come down kind of like Eeyore every single Sunday and find our seat and find our seat mate. Man, well, God's good. That's not a God I want to serve. I'm looking like that. I want to come into church and be like, you know what, God's good. I'm going through something, but God's good. My victory's not here yet, but He is my victory. I want to smile. I want to have joy. And if you've lost your joy, guess where it's found? It's found in your salvation because of what He did for you on a cross, what He did for me on a cross. So I'd ask as we get ready to, to, to close, um, I'm going to say a prayer, and I just want you to know, if you want to hear me preach, come back another time because I can preach. Um, but today, I just didn't. But I believe there are people in here who got something. And we tell our kids, if you can walk away with one thing, that's enough. Because you can't remember 40 things. You can remember one thing pretty well. At this age, probably you can remember more than our kids can. But maybe you walk away with three things today. But I believe you got one thing today. Go and plant that seed. Let's pray. Dean and the team, you guys can come out. Dear Jesus, I just thank you so much. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that my identity and our identity is found in you. 
I thank you for dying on the cross for me because that is enough. I could preach about your life and you going to the cross and you being raised from the dead three days later every single Sunday for the rest of my life because that's, that's what it's all about. It's about a God who sent his own son into earth to be fully man and to go through things that men and women go through, but yet to be fully God and to be dependent on the Father. God, I ask that today in this room that you would bring back the joy of our salvation. When things get hard, you remind us where we were, and I guarantee where we were is not as good as where we are. Dear Jesus, we just give you this week. I thank you for what you're doing in our youth group and with our youth. And despite what the news says and what the, the next statistic that comes out that says youth are leaving the church and millennials are leaving the church, that does not scare you, God. You're calling people right now because there is a great revival coming. Yes, God. And God, I ask right now that Myrtle Grove will be a part of that great revival. That we'll have to have so many services and so many rooms because of the people who are hungry for truth. Because a lie will only feed you for a little bit, but truth will feed you for a lifetime. Dear Jesus, we give you today. I ask that we will close and end well this week. In Jesus' name, amen.